Hello and welcome to the Royal Meteorological Society's podcast. My name is Hannah Mallinson and I work for the Society as the Science Engagement Manager. We have recently published a new climate briefing paper focusing on how climate change will impact North Atlantic storms and today I'm delighted to say that I have one of the co-authors with me, Len Shaffrey. Len, would you like to introduce yourself and say a few words about your background? Hi Hannah, so I'm Len Shaffrey. I'm the theme leader for climate and high impact weather in the National Centre for Atmospheric Science and I'm a professor of climate science in the University of Reading. The lead author for the paper is Ben Harvey who is also uh, a scientist in the National Centre for Atmospheric Science and also works at the Department of Meteorology at the University of Reading. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me. So why is this area of research on North Atlantic storms important? So I, I guess we're all kind of uh, know the impacts of storms, especially in the UK. We've had some real humdingers of storms that have come in and hit us sideways over the past few decades, like the great October 1987 storm. So, you know, these, these storms that whip in off the North Atlantic and cause a huge amount of damage with the strong winds that they produce. And we've had more recent examples, the 2013 St. Jude storm was another storm that caused a lot of damage. And we've had more recent storms around Europe. So, for example, Storm Ophelia that hit Ireland a few years ago also did a huge amount of damage. So we're kind of aware of these events that they can cause a huge amount of loss uh, in terms of loss of life, but also damage to property. The other big uh, impacts of extropical storms are that they can produce an awful lot of rainfall. So, for example, in the the winters of 2013-14 and 2015-16, we had extreme amounts of rainfall produced by storms. And we get these situations where we have storm after storm after storm coming in off the North Atlantic, each producing more and more rainfall, saturating the ground and leading to flooding in uh, river catchments. So we, we have these kind of combined effects of flood and extreme wind damage coming from storms. And then, of course, there's the third, which is of coastal flooding. The UK uh, and the rest of Europe is prone to uh, coastal flooding. So we have a storm uh, coming in. And if it pushes the water in the right way and we get waves coming in over coastal flood defences, then we can end up with extensive coastal flooding. 1953 storm in the UK is kind of a classic example of that. But there's been other examples in northern France back in 2010. But there was quite extreme loss of life from coastal flooding driven by a tropical storm. As I've mentioned when I introduced the paper, This focuses on how climate change will impact North Atlantic storms. And within it, you focus on the North Atlantic storm track. So for the benefit of those who may not know what this is, can you explain what it is? So yeah, so the North Atlantic storm track is the collection of all the storms that occur over the North Atlantic. So as I was saying before, when we have these storms coming in, hitting the UK, hitting northwestern Europe as they travel across the North Atlantic. So if you look at all the tracks of all the storms that happen during a winter, you find that they congregate and they they start on the western side of uh, the North Atlantic. So they all start off the eastern seaboard of the United States, near where the Gulf Stream separates from the coastline. And then the storms kind of move across the North Atlantic. And the typical track of the storm is there curves northwards up over Scotland and into Scandinavia. And that's the North Atlantic storm track. The storms that really affect us are the the ones that do something a little bit different. So rather than heading up north over Scotland, they go a little bit further south, so into southern England or into northern France, then into central Europe. And they're the ones that really have the big impact because that's where the, the storms are kind of carrying the large amounts of precipitation or strong winds across the large uh, populated areas. So that corridor of cities, London, Paris, Berlin. 
and causing impacts across that. So thinking about climate change for a moment, we, we know that humans have contributed to the release of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the air since the um, pre-industrial era. And this has led to a rising global average temperature of around 1.1 degrees Celsius. The latest IPCC report that came out just over a week ago has said that the Earth will be between roughly one and a half to four and a half degrees C hotter than pre-industrial levels by the end of this century. The amount of warming will depend on how we curb our emissions and whether we cut everything down to net zero or not. So with this in mind, how do we expect climate change to impact the North Atlantic storm track? Yeah, so I mean, as you say, under climate change, we expect the the globe to warm. I guess the the key thing from the North Atlantic storm track's perspective is that that warming uh, is very regional. So uh, in terms of how climate change is going to affect the storm track, it's worth taking a step back and saying, well, why do we have North Atlantic storms at all? And kind of the key reason why is that there's a, a very large temperature gradient between what's in the tropics, where it's very warm, and the Arctic, where it's very cool. So we have the sun shining down in the tropics, warming the tropics up. At the same time, the Earth is cooling radiatively um, to space. Um, up in the polar regions. And so we have this large temperature difference. And what storms are doing is they're basically growing on that temperature difference. And they're trying to drag all that warm tropical air northwards and at the same time bring all that cold polar air down to the south. So they're trying to basically reduce that that temperature difference. And that's the, the key thing that's driving uh, why we have storminess over the, over the North Atlantic and over the whole of the Northern Hemisphere. So under climate change, uh, what we actually expect is, uh, you know, although the, the, the globe is warming everywhere, what we expect is that that warming will happen at different rates. So, for example, over the Arctic, we see lots of warming under climate change. Uh, and that's primarily due to the fact that, you know, as, as the polar regions warm, we have a reduction in the amount of uh, sea ice and snow at high latitudes. So as the, the sea ice and the snow kind of reduces, and that exposes the darker, warmer surface. So we have this thing called the sea ice albedo feedback, and that leads to much warmer temperatures over the Arctic. So under climate change, we we kind of get this situation where storms have been driven by the warm tropics and the cold polar regions. Then under climate change, what we expect is that temperature difference to actually weaken. So we actually expect to see a decrease in the number of storms over the northern hemisphere. And when we actually look in the the climate models and the climate model projections that were used to inform the IPCC 6th assessment report, that's that's exactly what we find, that the, the number of storms over the northern hemisphere tends to drop under climate change. But there are a couple of regions where that doesn't happen. And one of those regions is over the North Atlantic. And something quite interesting happens there. So over the North Atlantic, what we find is that the uh, ocean circulations of the North Atlantic slows down. Um, and that actually leads to uh, interesting changes in surface temperature over the uh, North Atlantic. And what we actually find is an increase in surface temperature gradient or surface temperature difference over the North Atlantic. So we end up with this interesting situation that over northwestern Europe, we tend to actually see an increase in the number of storms. So we have this slightly different view about storminess, depending on where you look over the Northern Hemisphere, with a general drop in terms of the number of storms. But then over Northwestern Europe, we see this, this increase in the number of storms uh, during wintertime. So um, the number of increased storms isn't huge. I mean, so typically uh, the increase in number is about 5% or so per year. But in terms of thinking about the extremes, that could be quite significant. And changing scale now to consider storms at an individual level, how will climate change impact those? 
So I guess there's two things that you know we kind of mentioned at the beginning that are kind of important for thinking about uh, North Atlantic storms. The first is uh, how strong did they get? How strong are the winds? And the second one is how much rainfall do they produce? Under climate change, uh, we see a very robust signal in the rainfall, and that's rain- rainfall is going to increase, particularly in wintertime. That increase in rainfall is primarily being driven because under climate change, we expect the atmosphere to be warmer. A warmer atmosphere can hold more moisture. So you know when you go outside on a cold day and you breathe out, then you see clouds of you know kind of water vapor forming in the cold air. Uh, and it's exactly that process that's going on that under a warmer atmosphere, then the, the atmosphere can hold more moisture and therefore can produce more rainfall. And again, in climate model projections, we see exactly that process. Uh, and that can lead to quite substantial increases in the amount of rainfall. So under climate change, we kind of typically expect um, the amount of rainfall that a storm will produce will increase by 15 to 20% by the end of the 21st century. And that's quite substantial. So if you're thinking about the really, really extreme storms and you're thinking about how well we're coping with flooding at the moment, then we can expect, you know, the, the increase in rainfall coming from storminess to actually, you know, really lead to some difficulties thinking about how we're going to adapt to flooding in the future. The other question is how will climate change affect the winds, the high winds that storms can produce? And there we're a little bit more uncertain about what the result will be. Primarily, that's a question about how good the climate models are in terms of representing extreme storms. And particularly, what we know is very strong winds produced in an extropical storm tend to be produced at quite small scales. So it's kind of features like uh, how strong the storms are along a front or interesting mesoscale features like sting jets. So these are very small scale features that uh, are coming down within the storm, then interacting with the winds in the boundary layer. And so you need very detailed high resolution models in order to capture those sort of processes. And at the moment, we don't have the computer power to actually run climate models at those very high resolutions. So we're on the cusp of starting to understand some of the processes there. There's quite a lot of uncertainty about how strong winds might change in the future. That's concerning then, isn't it? If, if we're expecting to see an increase in precipitation and windiness, if you combine that with the rising sea levels, then that is going to have severe impacts really for coastal flooding around the UK and Europe. If we can, I'd just like to consider observations for a moment. Have we started to see any of these changes already taking place? So for precipitation, we're starting to see some examples of trends in terms of how much rainfall has been produced. And in particular, there's been a couple of climate attribution studies, which have said that climate change has had an impact on the amount of precipitation that some of these storms produce. So for example, there's, there's quite a famous study looking at the 2013-14 flooding in the UK uh, and saying that you know, climate change actually had a quite big impact uh, or a large contribution to the amount of rainfall that was produced in that event. On the winds, there's less evidence that winds are changing changing or that we're seeing climate change having an impact on windiness. One of the key points to mention is there's a huge amount of variability from year to year. We have winters that are extremely cold and dry, winters that are extremely warm and wet. So there's a lot of intraannual variability and also decadal variability in our weather over Europe and the North Atlantic. And so that large variability can sometimes mask the trends that we might expect to see from climate change. That leads straight on to my next question, which we don't really need to ask now, but surely the natural variability plays a large part in any uncertainty that we've got around these projections. Oh, yeah, definitely. What do we have to do to try and get a better handle on how climate change might affect storminess and uh, what impacts it may be having on storminess? One of the things that we really want to do is get a better handle on observations of storms, uh, particularly kind of the, the first half of the 20th century and going into the late 19th century. So trying to get a handle on how much natural variability there is in the observational record is really, really important if we want to establish whether we're seeing any trends in storminess. Looking ahead to the future now, what do you believe to be the main research priorities when it comes to North Atlantic storms and climate change? 
So I think trying to get a handle on observational uh, uncertainties. There's a lot of work going on at the moment thinking around data recovery and trying to look at all the written records that we have, which are still locked away in archives, getting those digitized so that we can better understand what happened in the past so we can understand what might happen in the future. The other point that I mentioned briefly as well is, is having the resolution to actually resolve extropical storms properly in climate models. And that's really, really critical. So typically we run climate models, our global climate model projections at resolutions of something like 50 to 100 kilometers in terms of their grid spacing. But we know that some of the processes that cause really, really extreme rainfall or really, really extreme winds happen at much smaller scales than that. So for example, sting jets. We know that if we want to capture a sting jet, uh, in a climate model, then we're going to have to run climate models. Uh, resolutions are with just a few kilometers for their grid spacing. So uh, we're some way away from being able to run climate models at the correct resolution. So another process as well, which we're starting to think about in climate models, are the processes that led to storms such as Storm Ophelia that hit Ireland back in 2017. In that event, we had a tropical cyclone coming up from the subtropical North Atlantic and then turning into an extropical storm. And that tropical extropical transition is really difficult to get right in a climate model because you need to be able to resolve the tropical cyclone part, which again means having climate models of resolutions where the grid spacing is just a few kilometers. We don't have the computing power to actually get to those kinds of resolutions. So we're still somewhat uncertain about how those processes might change in the future due to climate change. Hopefully we'll get there one day with the computing power. Fingers crossed. Finally and briefly, what do you consider to be the, the take-home messages of your paper? So I guess um, I guess there's three things. So the first is that you know climate change will have an impact on extropical storms and storms of the North Atlantic. So as I, as I was saying, I mean in terms of kind of storm number, we're expecting to see decreases over much of the northern hemisphere due to changes in temperatures over the Arctic. But there are some regions where that's not true, and and, and in particular over northwestern Europe, we're expecting to see an increase in the amount of storms, uh, wintertime storms at the end of the 21st century, largely due to changes in ocean circulation over the North Atlantic. I guess, you know, moving on to sort of the second take-home message, which is thinking about what might happen at the individual storm level, then we see very robust increases in the amount of precipitation that each storm will produce. And that's largely due to the fact that as the climate warms, then the warmer atmosphere will be able to hold more moisture and therefore be able to produce more extreme amounts of rainfall. And that will have a big impact on areas such as the UK in terms of the flooding risk. And I guess the third question, which we just touched upon, is what do we not know? There are still some questions out there about how storms might change in the future. And partly that's due to not fully understanding about what happened in the past, and we need to do more work there in terms of data recovery to improve on on that part, but also in terms of increasing the resolution of climate models so that we can better represent those really small-scale processes such as sting jets or frontal rainfall that we need to capture in order to more robustly say how these storms might change in the future. Thank you so much for joining me today, Len. To those listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. And if you would like to read the new briefing paper, How Will Climate Change Impact North Atlantic Storms by Len and his co-author, Ben Harvey, or find out about others in the series, then please do visit our website, www.armets.org, and also make sure to follow the Society on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening. Music